Our emphasis has been on unstoppable faith, and this weekend is going to be a healing encounter, unstoppable faith, and the power of the Lord, unstoppable power of God. And so along that line, I'd like to continue to touch on unstoppable faith, and this morning, I'd like to talk about a faith or the faith that stopped God. Now, we know that our God is an unstoppable God. Somebody say amen. We sing that song, God is unstoppable. But do you know that you can actually stop God? And God can only be stopped by one thing. And that is faith. Faith can stop God in what He is doing and focusing on faith in doing what faith reaches out to Him for. So there is one thing that can stop God, and that is our faith. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52 is my text. But parallel passages are found in Luke chapter 18, verse 35 and to 43, and also Matthew chapter 20. All three Gospels talk about this event or incident. As we know, Mark's Gospel is brief. The shortest of the three Gospels, or of the four Gospels. But Mark's Gospel is very brief. He likes the word straight away, immediately. But there is something, or, the, or rather there are many things that are found in Mark that are not found in the other Gospels. Although it's brief, yet he catches details that are important in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. For example, in this event here, Matthew's Gospel talks about the fact that there were two blind men. Whereas Mark just mentions one, focusing on that one individual. Luke's Gospel talks about this blind man, but did not give any name. But Mark mentioned the name of this blind man and personalized the event even to this blind man. And so that's why Mark's Gospel is very beautiful. I will not read this passage, but as we go along, you will capture the essence of what Mark is trying to say. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, this is a story of blind Bartimaeus. And everybody who has been to Sunday school will, would have heard this story, not once, but perhaps many times. But blind Bartimaeus. And the event took place at the close of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jer Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Jesus was going to Jerusalem. This is his final journey. 
And the cross, the crucifixion awaits him in Jerusalem. And along the way, there will be the crowd that will shout later on, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they will lay out the palm leaves before him. But before that happened, he has to pass through Jericho. Jericho is along the main roadways to Jerusalem. And so, and, and the Bible says, therefore, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, he was leaving town already, going to Jerusalem, facing the cross, closing his ministry. Everything is about to wrap up already, but this is the last healing incident, healing event in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. There was a great crowd because it was a Passover time. And Passover time is very important for the Jews, so they will come from all over. There was a great crowd, throngs of people, very loud, very boisterous. And in the midst of all the crowd, the Bible says there was a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, who was sitting by the roadside. But Timaeus was blind. Now, from the, from the uh, uh, Greek, you know, uh, from the original writing, we discovered that he wasn't blind from birth. Something must have happened in the life of Bartimaeus. He wasn't blind from birth. It could have been an accident later on or something, you know, but because of that, he lost his eyesight. He could not see the beauty of the Judean hills. He lost his eyesight. He was blind. I don't know how it's like to be blind. None of us could know what it's like living a life that is blind, cannot see. But we can imagine. Everybody, close your eyes. Close your eyes. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Nothing. Blackness. Now, can you just imagine your life throughout just like that? You cannot see anything. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. And a lot of people live their life in blindness. Not just physical, but even spiritual. And so he was blind. And he was poor. Because blind people in those days don't have any privileges. The amenities were not there. And so they cannot work. They have to depend on others. And the most that others can do perhaps is to just carry, carry him or lead him to a place by the roadside where he can beg. So many of the, of the blind people are beggars. And he was rejected. His name is given here. His name is Bartimaeus. Now the other, there, are, there are other blind people that Jesus has healed. But they are never named. Their names, we, we do not know their names. But in this case, we not only know his name, Bartimaeus, but we also know the father's name, the son of Timaeus. And Timaeus means filthy, dirty, unclean, defiled. So can you just imagine having the name Bartimaeus, son of filthy, Son of the defiled, son of the unclean. 
And everywhere he goes, people will laugh at him. Bartimaeus, son of the unclean and the defiled. That stigma was with him for his whole life. He was rejected and lonely. So it was a very miserable life. But it says here, Jesus was passing by. And he heard the commotion. You see, he's blind. He's not deaf. He could hear what's happening. He could hear the crowd excited. And he began to ask, hey, 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 what's happening? And he said, oh, Jesus is passing by. And the moment he heard that, he knew that his destiny is about to change. His life is about to change. The moment he heard that Jesus is passing by, he knew that this is the opportunity of a lifetime. He must seize that moment. Jesus will not pass by Jericho again. This is the final time that he's passing by. And Bartimaeus reached out. He knew that he's not going to be a beggar. He's not going to be poor. He's not going to be rejected again. Because something is about to happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. The final time that Jesus would pass by Jericho. Jericho that is famous in the Bible. And more so for Bartimaeus. This is your divine moment. There are many moments in our life when we know that God is present. God is passing by. And unless and until we reach out to Him, we will miss our divine moment. You have to grab it. You have to seize it. Whether it be in a church service or whether in your prayer or wherever it is, you know that this is the moment we have to reach out. Don't miss it. And so, Bartimaeus reached out. He reached out with a shout of faith. You see, the shout of faith is important. Faith must be activated. We can activate our faith in different ways. It may be a shout, it may be a cry, it may be a tear, it may be an upraised hand, it may be a, kneel, a kneeling down, it, whatever it is. It, it, faith must be activated. It cannot lie passive in our bosom. There is power in the shout. Power packed, shout. So the Bible says he began to cry out. Mark's gospel used the Greek word, krazo, which is a shriek, a scream. Somebody like to shout for me? Come on, give us. Yeah! All right. Thank you, Andy. Yeah! <laughs> That's a good shout. <laughs> That's a good shout. But Luke used a different word. You see, that's the beauty of the Greek language. Many times, you know, in the English, cry is cry, scream is scream. But what's the difference between a cry and a scream and a shout? But Boa, in the, in, in the Gospel of Luke 1838, is a different type of shout. In fact, it is a hollering. 
It will shake up anybody. It will disturb anybody. A very, very sharp, piercing cry. And the word boa is used only of two individuals in the New Testament. The first one is John the Baptist. A voice crying in the wilderness. The word cry, boa. I mean, that is not just a soft, you know, pleading and preaching. A voice crying until everybody can hear it. And the next scream or shout that we have is of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He cried with a loud voice. The crying of Jesus on the cross is a very powerful one. That is boa with a loud voice. Now, anybody can give me a boa. Let's try. Hey, that's not boa. <laughs> boa, boa. <laughs> Chinese, uh, Hokkien boa. Bo means don't have. So that's why we are all so silent. <laughs> but boa will really, all right, everybody can hear and they will be shocked. It was a boa crying. And there is power in that shout. But the power in that shout is not in its volume. Not just the volume, but the intensity. And more than that is the faith that is in there. But Bartimaeus' shout, Boa, is a shout of faith. It's not just a shout. Anyone can shout. But the shouting of Bartimaeus is a shouting so that Jesus can hear. He wanted to see Jesus. That's the object. That's the target of his shout. To see Jesus, not so that others can hear him, but he wanted to see Jesus. It was a shout born of faith. The Bible says he heard Jesus is around. And the moment that he heard that Jesus, the word Jesus stirs up that faith in him. Somehow he has knowledge about Jesus Christ. A knowledge that is deeper, more intimate than the religious leaders know of Jesus and perhaps even the disciples. So it was a shout born of faith, a shout that activates his faith. He has faith inside, but it must be activated. And he activated with that boa shout. It was a miracle cry for a move of God. Oh, have you so wanted, hungered, desired for a powerful move of God that you come to God and only a boa shout can release that faith in you. A cry that got Jesus' attention. Moment that happened, many rebuke him. The Bible says, tell him to be silent. They say, hey, beggar, be silent. Who are you? Jesus got no time for you. He's on an urgent uh, mission. He's got no time to, for, for you. Keep quiet, keep quiet. Now you think that people will have sympathy on a blind man. But when you are really handicapped, not everybody will even have pity on you. They may not even help you. They may even ridicule you. They may even push you down. Here's where you have to take responsibility on your life. 
So they rebuke him and ask him to shut up. But the Bible says he cried out all the more. That means he continued crying, not just once, three times, five times, we don't know how long, but it was a continuous cry, not just once. And then not just another time, but it was continuous. The tense that's used is a continuous tense. And it is a very demanding one, and every tense. He was crying out all the more. It was an unstoppable cry, an unstoppable faith, persistent faith. And the more that they asked him to, to be silent, the more that his faith was increased. There are many voices that will try to silence you when you reach out by faith to the Lord. But don't let that stop you. Rather, let it, be, let it encourage you. If you know that something is of the Lord, let it continue to increase your faith. He got louder and louder because you cannot keep this man quiet. His faith is reaching out to God for a very, very important thing in his life. Tell your neighbor, I just can't keep quiet. Hallelujah. Too many times we have been silenced by the voice of doubts. And not only he shout, but also he sight. Yes, he was blind. But do you know that many times the blind see better than those who see? Don't look down on the blind people. Maybe because they are blind, all their other senses are sensitized. So their sense of smell is better than ours. Their sense of hearing is better than those who can see. It is as if you minus one here and you plus many more over the other side. So minus the sight, but all the other senses are intensified. And he had better spiritual sight than most people. Because the Bible says in verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he asked around, who, who, what's happening? They say, Jesus of Nazareth is here. Jesus of Nazareth. The crowd knew him as Jesus of of Nazareth. But the, the moment he heard that, he began to cry out and say, Jesus of Nazareth. Did he say that? He wasn't flowing with the crowd. He said, Jesus, son of David. Not Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus, son of David. He saw with the eyes of faith what the crowd could not see. What's the difference? Son of David. It's a title, it's a reference to the Messiah, the Savior, God. Jesus of Nazareth refers to the human, immediate ancestry of our Lord, the humanity of Jesus Christ. But when you say Jesus, son of David, it refers to the royal ancestry and to his divinity. The Jews look at David as their father, and the Messiah would come from the line of Judah, would be the son of David. 
a title that's used. Not that he was born of David, but from the line and, 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 and the Messiah will come and be the son of David in that sense. And it refers to the divinity of our Lord. Bartimaeus did not see Jesus as just a prophet. He saw Jesus as God himself. And that's where he has a true eyesight. A blind man seeing Jesus Christ as he really is. It took a while before that kind of a confession came from Peter. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Bartimaeus already saw that. That's why he had this kind of faith to know that this Jesus, son of David, can heal him and restore his sight. So when you come to Jesus, do you have this kind of a faith that you are approaching God himself? He's God. Somebody say amen. He is God. Hallelujah. God Almighty who was in the beginning with God and who is God. John tells us that in the introduction of his gospel. And it's Christ Jesus, son of David, heal me. No, he did not say heal me. I wonder why. The first request that came up from his mouth is, I mean, he's sick, no, he's blind. You would have expected Jesus, son of David, heal me. But he said instead, son of David, have mercy on me. Why mercy instead of healing? Maybe because of his name, of his past. Son of Bartimaeus, filthy, unclean, defiled. Maybe he has been asking, why must these things happen to me? I have perfect eyesight at one time and I lost it. Is it because of my sin? He must have been loaded with guilt and condemnation and people kept reminding him. And so his first cry is, have mercy on me. Mercy is kindness, exercise toward the miserable. It includes pity, compassion, forbearance, gentleness, and mercy, as Charles Horst says, describe God. It is an attribute of God. The name of our God is mercy. And that's why God says, I would prefer mercy than sacrifice. Mercy. Oh, we can talk about mercy. A message on mercy. Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Every morning His mercies are new. Mercy is basically withheld judgment. Judgment that has been held back. Brothers and sisters, if not for the mercy of God, this place will be empty. None of us will be here. If not for the mercy of God, I would not be standing here even. Day by day is the mercies of God. He would have judged us. We have not lived the way that we ought to live. He could have struck us off like he struck off the world in the days of Noah as he struck off Sodom and Gomorrah as he would have struck off Nineveh. But for his mercy, we are here. More than anything else, the church needs mercy. More than anything else, the nation 
needs mercy. As we are going to celebrate even Malaysia Day next week, we need mercy of God upon our land. And then we see, as faith reaches out in a shout, there is the power of faith as well. Faith always gets God's attention. Two of the most powerful words in the scripture. Jesus, stop. Jesus, stop. In the New King James Version, in other versions, it says, Jesus stood still. This is not the shortest verse in the Bible. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. But to me, this is two of the most powerful words. Jesus stopped. Who stopped? Jesus. Son of David. Master of the universe. King of kings, Lord of lords. The creator, almighty God, prince of peace. He stopped. God, stop. And you have to understand the context. Where was he going? He was leaving Jericho to go to Jerusalem. That's what he came here for. And he was just wanting to get it done. The most important mission, go to Jerusalem. Face the cross, die on the cross. The last trip. And yet he stopped everything that he was doing. When you are busy, you don't want to be stopped, right? You don't want to be stopped. The day I was rushing towards the digital mall to check on something, there were salespeople, telemarketers, uh, no, market, uh, sales marketing everywhere outside there. And then somebody says, hey, 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 uncle. They always call me uncle now. Hey, uncle, come, come, come. Let me show you something. You know? And I say, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm in a hurry, you know? So I quickly rush out. I didn't even stop to get the leaflet and whatever she wants to tell me. I say, hey, why are you so busy? I say, so, 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 sorry, I have to rush. And Jesus was busy. He was going towards Jerusalem. And yet in his busyness, in his most important mission, he stopped. Not only she stopped, I, I, I suppose the whole of heaven stopped even. All the angels stopped what they're doing. I'm wondering, hey, what's happening here? This is not in the schedule. This is not in the itinerary. This is not in the plan. Why is Jesus stopping? You see, it's faith that can stop God in what he's doing and give you his fullest attention. The fullest attention. Jesus stopped for one. It shows that you matter to God. A blind man. He stopped for a blind man. Not the president of Israel. Not a VVIP. Not a CEO of a company. Not a rich man. He stopped. For a blind, helpless 
man. And that's our Lord. That is our God. Because you matter to Him. Because you are important to Him. And God always has time for His children, for His people. God is never too busy. His line is always open. It is only faith that can reach out to Him. And He will stop. Faith will always get His attention. There are many people that are shouting around, but they were just shouting around for no reason. But there is a shout of faith that He heard. Jesus, Son of David. The shout of faith, He heard it. Above all the noises, He heard it. And He stopped and took time for one person. You may think that God has forgotten you. You may think that you are not important, but you are to Him. doesn't matter who you are. It's your faith that will get a full attention of God. And so Jesus called him, and he quickly rushed to the master. And the Bible says, Bartimaeus casting away his garment. Now for the blind and for the beggars in those days, they have a special coat, an outer garment, so that they can be identified as blind, truly blind. By the outer garment from far, you can tell that guy is a beggar. Now, there are beggars everywhere. In Malaysia, there are also beggars, but you wonder, are they real, are they real beggars or not? There may be a syndicate behind, or the guy may be richer than me. You never know. But this one, they identify them by the garment. The garment can be a shield from the hot sun or from the uh, uh, rain. Or it can be a pouch so that people can throw money in. But the moment he heard Jesus calling him, nobody has called him before. He has been always calling people, give me money, give me arms, arms for the blind, arms for the blind. But now for the first time, somebody is calling him. He jumped up, he threw away his garment. The garment that identified him as a beggar. He doesn't need it anymore. By faith, he sees his healing. The miracle is coming. He doesn't need the garment anymore. He threw it away. The cloak many times defines us. It represents our thinking about ourselves. You have to throw off that cloak. Our limitation, our hurts of the past, and even our old lifestyle, throw it off. It wasn't meant for you. You don't need it anymore. There was a king who once went down the road and he saw a beggar. And he told his people, take that beggar in. Give him a place to stay. Give him food to eat. I will take care of him for the rest of his life. And the beggar was very happy over the mercies and the kindness of the king. But he had a beggar's clothing. He held on to it. And so while even he was staying, even in the king's mansion and quarters for his other servants, 
while he enjoyed the benefits of the king. And yet all through, he stayed there. He was holding on to that garment. He says, maybe one day I will need it again. Maybe one day the king will throw me out. He has no confidence in the king that the king will take care of him. Who is he? He held on to the garment. And a few years later when he died, he was still holding on to that garment. And the king was shocked to discover that he was holding on to that old garment, not enjoying the provisions of the king. Many of us are still holding on to our old garments. You have already been purchased and bought by the king. The old lifestyle is gone. The old limitation is gone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. Throw off that cloak. You don't need it no more. And that's what Bartimaeus did. Turn to your neighbor and say, throw off your cloak. Amen. Don't do it literally now. <laughs> but we are talking about figurative. You don't need it anymore. God has given us new power. He will provide for us. But faith must be certain as well. The certainty of faith. Faith knows what you need. Certainty of faith. So Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Remember one of the speakers a few weeks ago, Joshua Obeng? He has a funny way of putting it. He said, Jesus, he always asks some dumb questions. Remember the dumb questions? It's not so dumb. Why in the world would Jesus ask a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? But this is the style of Jesus everywhere he goes. What do you want me to do for you? It is a serious question. A question that challenged Bartimaeus to ask for what he really needed to ask for the best. And it is, way, it is the way of our Lord Jesus Christ to, to get the people to declare their faith. He's challenging the people. He's challenging Bartimaeus to declare his faith, to speak out the miracle that he wants. You have to confess before you can possess it. What do you want? Are you going to ask what man can give or what only God can give? What do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus could answer, Lord, maybe you can spare a hundred ringgit. Nobody has given him hundred ringgit before. All give them coins only. That would be a lot for a blind beggar. Or maybe he could say, oh, maybe, uh, Lord, maybe I, I need a job. I need kindness. I need, I need dignity. I need respect here. He could ask for a lot of things. But his faith is focused on one thing at this time. And it's very clear. But if the Lord were to appear here today and he asks you, 
right now in this service. My child, what do you want me to do for you? I, would you be ready? Are you going to ask him what man can actually provide? Or are you going to ask him for something that only he can provide? What is that one thing that will make you incredibly happy? What is that one thing that you have been dreaming about? But Timias was very clear. What do you want me to do for you? You see, in the Gospels, Jesus never did anything for anyone without the person making the request or plea. In almost every occasion, he often asks, what do you want? If you want nothing, he will not do anything. He will not force his way, even to bless you. If you come asking, he will grant you the desires of your heart. But you have to voice it out. You have to ask him. And there are many references in the Bible. He keeps on asking, what do you want me to do for you? Or those people who come to Jesus, they are very specific. They know what they want. And all that the Lord has to do is, yes, I will. It is done. According to your desires, according to what you ask, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But you have to ask, you have to knock, you have to seek. Mark chapter 5, 23. 528, 726, 732, 822, 922. All these individuals who came to Jesus, they knew what they want to ask Him for. And they got everything that they asked for. Now there is a teaching that is circulating around right now that says that God knows everything. God knows the desire of your heart so you don't have to pray. But for pray, because God knows already. Before you ask, God already knows what you want, right? Which is true. So therefore, they don't believe in prayer anymore. You don't have to pray. God knows your needs. He will grant it. And He's moving around some Christian churches now. But this is not the teaching of the Bible. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Let faith speak. When you are able to declare your faith, state your faith, that is a beginning point. It gives God something to work with. You have to speak it in order to see it come to pass. As somebody says, if you get God's attention, get ready for God's promotion. Jesus, stop! And he's saying to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, you've got my attention now. You've got my attention now. Now, what do you want? Let us not be like that little kid that runs to the mommy and shout, the mommy, mommy, mommy. Mommy is busy doing something. Shinsu shouted louder, mommy, mommy, mommy. And finally, the mommy stopped everything that she's doing, look at the child and say, 
Yes, son. What do you want? You got my attention now? I'm stopping everything I'm doing. Now, what do you want? And the child look up sheepishly and say, nothing. <laughs> and many of us are just like that. We have already got God's attention. Now, what do you want? Uh, nah, let me see, Lord. Uh, 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 we are not sure. And that's a problem with us. We don't really ask for what we need. And we don't really know what we need. And many times we ask for what we don't really need. But the blind man is very clear. Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Other version says rabbi. Actually, it's Rabboni. Rabboni means master, Lord. Still recognizing Jesus as God. Not just a Jewish rabbi, but Lord, master, I want to see. I want to see the beauty of the Judean hills. I want to see the faces of those who are so kind to me, always carry me and put me on the road. I want to see the faces of my family members. I want to see, I want to see more than anything else, I want to see you. I want to see. Do you want to see? What do you want to see? What do you want to see? I've searched my soul also in this. If the Lord were to appear and ask me, what do you want, Vincent? What do you want to see? In your life, in your ministry, what do you want to see? There's only one thing I want to see. That's one thing that I've been crying out to the Lord for. More than anything else, I want to see revival. Revival in our land. Revival in Malaysia. A revival that will see thousands upon thousands ushered into the kingdom of God. A revival that will cause people to ask, what must I do to be saved? A revival that will set the church on fire. A revival that will sweep through our land. Oh, in the past, when we heard about the Toronto revival, when we heard about uh, the other revivals in America, I was crying out loud, Lord, we want revival in our land. And God showed me something. God showed me something, and I'm still cherishing it, that it will happen. And I challenge our entire church to cry out to God for revival. I want to see revival. What do you want to see? Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well.
it is not just the words of the master, authority and power of Jesus Christ. It is not just the touch of the master. Here in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus only said, your faith has made you well. But in the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus actually touched their eyes, the two blind men, one of whom is Bartimaeus. He touched their eyes and they saw. It is your faith that will make you well. Your faith. Let us release our faith and believe God. Another version says, you are healed because you believe. God honors faith. Faith always gets what? It wanted from God. Your faith has made you well. I don't have time now, you know, but let me just quickly say again, well, that well is so-so. Remember that woman who pushed through the crowd and touched Jesus, the helm of his garment, and Jesus identified her, and Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Same words, sozo, well, whole, to be saved from hell, sin, sinners, rescue from penalty, danger, or destruction, soundness of mind. That means it's a complete salvation package. Not only did Jesus heal him and restore his eyesight, but now he's a child of the kingdom. He's delivered from all kinds of bondages and slavery, and, and he's, he's, he belongs to the kingdom of God. Spirit, soul, and body saved. So, so. That's God's desire for every child of His. When you ask for physical healing, He gives you spiritual, soul, and physical healing as well. You find it so many times. Mark 10, 52 here in this passage, your faith has made you well. Mark 5, 34, your faith has made you well. Luke 17, 19, your faith has made you well. God's desire, the full benefits of sozo for every one of us to be forgiven, called, justified, glorified, sanctified, redeemed, set free. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God the glory. <laughs> Salvation package. Not just the physical, but in every realm, in every aspect of our being. Sozo, a very important word. There's a purpose of God for each one of us healing and wholeness. And Jesus says, go your way. Immediately, he recovered his sight. But here is where he disobeyed Jesus. Jesus says, go your way. But he says, Lord, my way is no good. I will follow your way. My way is no good. I don't want to go back. He could have gone back to Jericho. He could go, have gone back to his house. Now he has received sight. So what do you do? See the things of the world. But he don't want to see the things of the world. He wants to follow Jesus. And the Bible says, and followed him on the way. He followed Jesus. It's just like a little blind girl who had a surgery. And the nurse prepared the girl. This is what is going to happen. Your eye will be in bandage for a while. You'll be in hospital. 
And then one day, when you're, when, 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 when you're fully recovered, I will remove the bandage and you will be able to see. That day finally came. And before, before that day came, you know, the nurse asked the girl, you know, when I remove the bandage, who do you want to see? And the girl immediately responded, I want to see the one who gave me sight. That's the first person I want to see. And so, when the bandage was removed, the girl opened the eye and he saw the face of the surgeon who operated on her and restored her sight. Bartimaeus, when he opened his eyes, what do you want? I want to see. When he opened his eyes, he saw the face of Jesus. He fell in love with Jesus. And the Bible says, he followed him on the way. Yes, I believe that Bartimaeus was there when Jesus hung on the cross. He followed him all the way. I believe that Bartimaeus was there when Jesus rose again from the dead. His name is never mentioned again. But the Bible says he followed him on the way. Faith changes our direction. Complete faith is obedient faith, following Jesus all the way. There are many people who have received the touch of God, healed by God, and after that, they went to see the things of the world. They do not see the face of the Master and follow His way. But genuine faith is also contagious faith. Faith that cannot wait to tell others, to point others to God. We who have had our eyes open, our faith rewarded, let it be a contagious faith as well. I'm sure that Bartimaeus became a testimony to all the blind people, telling them our oh, faith in Jesus Christ can restore healing and grant you sozo. Let's take this opportunity. Let our faith be complete faith and genuine faith. And so, brothers and sisters, the faith that stopped God, it started with a shout, and the release of the power of faith and the certainty of faith, knowing what you want and getting it from the Lord and following Him all the way. Let's pray.